This week we read Parshas Tetzaveh, which is in many ways a continuation of the uh, mitzvahs as far as building the Mishkan, the tabernacle, and together with the many different vessels and garments that were necessary in the Mishkan. The Pasuk begins talking interestingly about the oil that was necessary to be gotten in order to light, to kindle the menorah, which was obviously done with oil. The Pasuk begins, V'yata tesavez b'nei Yisrael, you Moshe should command the Jewish people, V'yichu elecha, they should bring for you shemen zayis zoch. Shemen zayis is olive oil. Zoch is very pure, pure olive oil. Um, and to use this for the menorah. There is an interesting, seemingly technical uh, debate between two of the primary commenta- commentators to the Torah. That's Rashi and the Evan Ezra, who both lived around the same time period, close to a thousand years ago. And they have this um, two ways of, of uh, explaining when the Torah says that the olive oil has to be pure, what, are we, what has to be pure? Are we talking about that the oil should be pure, extremely pure? Or are we talking about that we should find the purest olives? And in the reading of the words, you can really sing it both ways. Shemen zayis is olive oil, zoch, pure. So the word shemen means oil, zayis means olive, and then it says the word pure. So does the purity relate to the olive oil or to the olive itself? Rashi. In his commentary to Chumash, is very clear that the Torah means that we have to see to it that the olive oil, that the oil should be exceedingly pure, strained from any type of you know, sediment, and the oil should be the utmost level of purity. The Avanezra, on the other hand, reads the Pasuk and says, we have to get pure choice olives. And that's their debate. And of course, there's the tactical side of this debate, you know, why, what pushed one to say one way, and what pushed one to say the other. But we're going to talk now, not about that, but about two messages that we can take from this debate. We have a general rule whenever there's different opinions in Torah. So even though as far as halacha is concerned, one of them has to be followed and not the other. But as far as their inherent messages, the deeper messages, both opinions have to be studied. And both of them have messages for us um, in our life, in our avodah. So in this sikha, the Rebbe tells us, talks about two angles of looking at this debate. One angle is an interesting, more of halachic angle. And that is the following. There is a, a concept when it comes to mitzvahs that one is not supposed to only perform a mitzvah, but to beautify a mitzvah. We say in the Az Yashir, when the Jewish people sang the song after the splitting of the sea, they say, This is my God and I will beautify him. And from here we learn that whenever we do a mitzvah, whatever it is, we should not only do it, but we should try to do it in a more beautiful fashion, um, this is called to be mahadir, or a hidr, the beautification of mitzvahs. And there is a question, how far back do we go when we beautify, beautify a mitzvah? In other words, there is the actual act when one is doing the mitzvah, but then there is preparing, preparing the materials with which one will do the mitzvah. So you could say that you know when you're actually doing the mitzvah, the thing that you actually perform the mitzvah with, that you want to make beautiful. Or you could say no. Anything that I'm going to use in some step towards doing a mitzvah, I'm going to beautify that as well. Says the Rebbe that that's one way of seeing the deeper implication of this debate between Rashi and the Evan Ezra in our verse. Rashi says the oil has to be purified. Now the oil is what's actually used in the menorah. 
that's what's actually going to be kindled when they light the menorah. So Rashi seems to be saying that the beautification of the mitzvah, to see to it that it's from the purest form, is primarily in the oil itself, the article with which the mitzvah is going to be performed. The Avanezra here seems to be giving us a, 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 telling us that no, that not only the oil that's going to be used to light the menorah, being that that is being used for the mitzvah, that should be done in a purest form, in the most beautiful form. But take that a step back, a step back, and even the olives that are going to be used in order to make the oil with which the menorah should be kindled, being that they are a step in the performance of the mitzvah, one should seek to do that, do that, or see to it that that should also be beautified, and they should be the purest form of olives as well. So that's one angle, one lesson that we can learn from this debate. But then the Rebbe goes on and tells us a very interesting, more of an esoteric message that can be taken from this debate. And he says the following, an olive is a bitter type of a fruit. You know, bite into an olive, it's not a sweet fruit, but it's considered a bitter fruit. And throughout, the, uh, we find this in the Medrash, we find this in the Talmud, that an olive is considered something that on its own is quite bitter. After the olive was crushed, and you're able to elicit the oil, oil becomes something that gives light, and oil gives taste, and so on and so forth. So the the um, process of getting olive oil from the olive is really the process of finding the sweetness and the beauty, um, even from something that, from the outset, seems to be quite bitter. And this is really the story of life. In life, we have so many things that are seem to be bitter, um, whether they're bitter situations that people have to live through, whether they're uh, occurrences, whether spiritually they're bitter because there's their behavior patterns that are bitter, that are negative, or or different, um, anything in this world, things that might be quite bitter, spiritually or physically. And it's our job as people to be able to find the good within it and be able to use the good within it and be, be able to use it properly, elicit the sweetness and the goodness that there is in the bitter situations and the bitter... Um, and the bitter happenings of, or, or the bitter things that we have, whatever it is in life. So when we think about bitterness and we think about eliciting goodness and sweetness, and blessing, even out of bitter places, there's really two ways of seeing it. One way is, why are things bitter? Because listen, Hashem created a world in which there's good and there's bad, there's holiness and there is impurities. And there's this big, great mixture in the world. And that's why there's so many things that seem to be quite bitter and quite difficult, quite painful, quite unholy. And it's up to us to elicit the good from the bad, separate the good from the bad, find the good, find the sweetness, and push away the bitterness. That's one approach, a simple approach. There is a deeper approach. And that is that really, ultimately, everything comes from Hashem, and therefore, ultimately, everything is good. Why, then, do some things seem to be bitter? Why do some things seem that we can't appreciate their goodness? Is because they're so high. They're so powerful. They're so holy. And it's because of that that we are not able to appreciate the goodness that there really is there. So it's not that they're good and bad mixed. It's that they're good and better mixed. And because it's so powerful, that's why to us it might seem bitter. Perhaps a simple example for that is sunlight. Now, the sun is powerful, and the sun is the source of light, and the warmth, and heat, and so on and so forth. Now, but if someone looks into the sun, he can be blinded. Someone will say, wow, the sun is bitter. Of course the sun is not bitter. The sun is light and warm and, and wonderful. It's just so great and so powerful that, to me, it can come across as bitter because I don't know how to handle it. 
So therefore, when one comes from this approach, and one sees the bitterness of life and, and the bitter situations and so on, one doesn't see it as, oh, there's good and bad mix, and I have to, I have to find some good in the bitterness that there is. Rather, I, I recognize everything that comes from Hashem is good. Every situation is good. I just have to see how I can handle it and how much I am able to take out goodness that I'm able to receive and enjoy and appreciate from this great, powerful goodness that there is. Says the Rebbe, that on a deeper level, that's really the debate between Rashi and the Evan Ezra about the olives and the olive oil. The Evan Ezra says, you know, olives are bitter. So therefore, you got to make sure to get pure olives and good olives because, you know, there's goodness and there's bitterness there and there's a lot of bitterness. So therefore, you have to find good olives in order to be able to find goodness, sort of to elicit the goodness and the bitter. You push away the bitter and you find the good ones. Rashi implies no. Olives are good. All olives are good. Even though it seems bitter, really they're good, they're powerful. The bitterness is because they come from such a great level of holiness. The question is, in order for us to receive and to see and to appreciate the goodness, the oil that comes out of the olive, we have to purify so that we should be able to see its goodness and how beneficial it is. But the olives itself, they're all good. And that's why we don't have to look for pure olives. Therefore, says the Rebbe, that this Rashi is really teaching us such a tremendously powerful, deep level, uh, a deep message of how to look at those uh, difficult situations and difficult scenarios that we have to face and deal with by understanding ultimately it's good, everything is good from Hashem. Our job is to see to it that we're able to receive from it and find within it the goodness that there is inherently there. Have a wonderful Shabbos.